seconds flat. Give me up. Put it down, put it This is the second flat running podcast. He's been broken three times. He refuses to give in. He might do it. Look at that guy. Look at Blake Zero. Oh my gosh. Hello again, friends. Welcome to mile 113 of the Seconds Flat Running Podcast. Welcome back in. Happy to have you and happy to have my guest and good friend, the Georgia Death Race champion, Brad Orr. Brad, my dude, how you doing? Thanks. Good. Glad to be here. Alive and well. Well, you survived (laughs) the death race and I'm glad to be here seeing as you have me in your home for this episode, in the home studio after some technical difficulties the other night. Appreciate you hanging with us and giving this another shot Before we detail your victory in your Ultra Trail debut, which is just ridiculous to even say, it is Boston Marathon weekend, so let's get a quick Boston preview. Brad, you've run Boston, correct? I did. I was just thinking. It was back in 2012. It was the the hot year. Yes, it was super hot that year, up in the 80s, right? Yeah, it was brutal. Any highlight or maybe low light given the conditions that year? Uh, it was just, you know, we went out a little bit slower than usual and then just got slower and slower. <laughs> and then I bonked again. So getting to the finish line was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just getting to see everything. Making it through. Cool. I was glad I did it. You qualified somewhere obscure, right? Like Fargo, North Dakota? Yeah, or... South, South Dakota to South qualify. Dakota. It was the last weekend to qualify. Okay, yeah. So you just wanted to get so something that's why in. I went. Yeah. yeah. And I want a little money, too, so that was cool. Yeah, that's always... <laughs> Pay for my flight. That's always nice. Any plans to get back to Boston? Uh, maybe one day. Okay, all right. I'd have to run a marathon first. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk about that a little, because that does play into your story, I think, as an ultra-marathoner and an interesting twist. If you are racing Monday and haven't already listened or need to listen again... Our course preview from last year is available in mile 97. So last year, Boston, Chicago were both fall races. We did course previews for both in mile 97. Check that out for some reminders, last minute tidbits, and advice for the race Monday morning. One of the headlines this year is who will not be there. Several late scratches have remade the field. Perhaps most notably, Kenanisa Bekele, the second fastest marathoner ever, and Sarah Hall, the new American women's half-marathon record holder, have both withdrawn, but this is still one of the deepest Boston fields ever. So the pro men's race starts at 9.37 a.m. Monday. That'll be followed immediately by the pro women and the mass participation race at 10. All of that will be covered live on USA Network Television, Peacock, NBCSports.com, and the NBC Sports app. So there are a million ways to get a hold of this. I know you're a work-from-home guy. Is there a chance you have the TV on or maybe the app up to see what's happening in Boston? Okay, can't can't wait. wait. Beautiful. Plenty of options there. Great. In the men's race, Colin Benny returns as a local from the Boston area and the top American finisher last year. A previous New York City champ, Jeffrey Camor and Lawrence Chirono, who has always been in the mix at Boston, are among several of the favorites. 
The other American contenders to look out for, you have C.J. Albertson, who blasted off the front last year for a huge lead before being swallowed up in the Newton Hills. But he has said time and again he will attack this race, run it the way that he feels is best for him. And just a few weeks ago at Modesto in a tune-up, I think it's maybe been three weeks ago, He was led off course by the lead bike, ran a little extra, and still posted a 2.12. So he seems to be fit, ready to go again. Rio Olympian Jared Ward is back. And I've loved the buildup from Scott Fobble, formerly of Nazalit. He is in his new training with the Joe Bossard Group in Boulder. And Fobble was at the front of the field through the Newton Hills in 2019 when he clocked a 209 marathon. My dark horses for this one are Nico Montanez, who won the 15K at Gate River Run in March and recently ran a 61 low half marathon. And Reed Fisher, who placed well at Chicago last fall in less than ideal conditions and ran well at the New York City half last month. Neither has posted a big number in a marathon, but this feels like their best shot yet. For the women, crowd favorite and 2018 winner Des Linden return. You mentioned 2012, the heat. In your experience, I was there for 2018 and the cold and the rain and the wind. And it had its own level of miserable, but also fantastic day. Just an incredible event. Des winning first American woman in so many years was amazing. Olympic bronze medalist Molly Seidel is likely our American pre-race favorite. And you also have Nell Rojas back after being the top American last year. So all our top 10 threats on Monday. The way too early weather forecast looks ideal which may not be advantageous for Dez, who has raced her best in the bad conditions at Boston, but of course everything could change at this point. Right now, I'm looking at a race day low of 38 and high of 56 in Boston. That would be the kind of day you dream of, maybe get a little tailwind. That would have been the year before you were there, Ryan Hall going off the front in 11 with a tailwind on like a 50-degree day in just beautiful conditions. And you got the exact opposite Mm -hmm. the next year. So, all right. Now, let's transition to the champ. A man who laughs at the marathon and its 26.2 mile distance as simply a (laughs) warm-up. Brad Orr. Brad, first, give us the details on the Georgia death race. The distance... The elevation change, the total time you were out there, because this is truly one of the toughest races on the East Coast every year. So tell us the details. Yeah, it's so it's about 74-ish miles is what they say. 16,000 feet of vertical gain. Oh, my. Yeah. So you you can feel that. Um, (laughs) I think one of the coolest parts is right near the beginning. um, There's about a little over a 2,000-foot climb from mile, like, three and a half to mile seven. Wow. So, I mean, it's like a, it's, it's a climb that's just as big as, I mean, anything you can really think of. So Hit you right away with yeah, that. Yeah, they hit you right away. The first 38-ish miles or so were just up, down, straight up mountains, straight down mountains. And after that, it kind of loosens up a little bit with service roads. But the race itself, it was awesome. I mean, the, the people who put it on, 
just incredible. I mean, it definitely had a big time feel to it between the pre-race meeting and the start line and just the volunteers. I mean, just the people that were doing all the work behind the scenes. It was, it was, it was awesome. It's funny you mention that because every time we talk trails on here or with folks who are high level trail runners, the people are a constant that comes up. The people that you share the course with, the volunteers on course, any special moments or memories? Just the overall excitement. Probably my favorite just takeaway was the volunteers at the actual aid stations. Mm -hmm. Um, Just so accommodating. And it's like they knew... It's almost like they knew more than me. Like maybe they had, they, maybe they had done an ultramarathon before, <laughs> or I haven't had done one. So it was like, what do you need? Let me take your water bottle. Let me fill it up for you. And they're just so efficient and they're so happy to help. So they definitely knew what they were doing. Yeah. It seemed like they either run an ultra or, or they acted like they had. So it was, it was cool. Okay. So a few things to unpack from that comment, yeah. Brad, but first 74 ish miles, mm-hmm. as you said, how long did it take you? 13 hours, 26 minutes. Okay. It's a lot of time on feet, as they say. Yeah, a lot of thinking. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of thinking. What were, yeah. you, what were you getting into mentally? Because that's <laughs> something I wanted to unpack also is where where's your focus and yeah. when do you intentionally let yourself drift and what are the things you're thinking about? And mm-hmm. Yeah, what's going through your head for 13 plus hours? Well, I had a whole race strategy and I think it, it really worked out. I tried to stick to it as much as I could, but... My whole goal going in was be able to run in the second half of the race. Yeah. Because I, I didn't want to be that person that just like, you know, bonked and then you're just fighting and fighting and fighting. Especially on my first one, not knowing is so much unknown going in. So I really wanted to be able to run that last part. Yeah. But so that's really what I thought about a lot. Um, the first 20 or so miles, I was just kind of taking it easy, but not really. It, it was, it felt, it felt right. It felt like I was going to be able to run later. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to run later. Like at any moment, I could just, you know, things could go south. So I was kind of just trying to pay attention to that. That's such an interesting nuance of distance racing in general. Mm-hmm. I, I think for most of us, once we get beyond a point of maybe it's, 90 minutes or two hours, whether it's on the road or a trail, mm-hmm. you do reach that point where at any moment you could go off the precipice, Yes, but also at any next moment after that, you could feel good again and Maybe. It, it comes in waves, <laughs> yeah. right? It, it could, but it could all collapse so easily. Mm-hmm. And you showed great patience in thinking, well, okay, this is the first time out there. I want to be able to run the second half of this. Yeah, Clearly you ran the second half that turned out all right. Earlier, though, you said, joking, seemed like the aid station folks maybe have done an ultra before. Yeah. You hadn't. You aren't just some schmuck running his first ultra here. Yeah. Tell us about your competitive running background, maybe going back all to high school, college. Yeah. I started running in eighth grade, obviously cross-country, track. I was really probably better suited for the mile at the time. Um, got recruited, went to college. Ran cross country and track at Winthrop, and I specialized more in the fifteen hundred. Yeah, but I was I was pretty much um, I had good range, so I could run any kind of distance. Like cross country, I did probably as my best accomplishment. I got all conference in cross country my senior year. Yeah, so kind of more of a a little more of a track runner. Yeah, but I did have range, so it wasn't like I wasn't I wasn't like really good at any one thing, but I had range where I could just kind of do any of the events seen that range before in a workout or yeah. two. You've, you've put me through that. Yeah. So 
you had the the leg speed, perhaps mm-hmm. we could say, going into that. Even, even though that's been a few years ago when you were running at, at those distances. Yeah. PRs, uh, 1,500, maybe okay. 5,000 meters. What were the best times you put up? So people can have some context of yeah. track guy is now ultra guy. Because the reason I ask this is we are in a bit of a moment where this is not just you as an outlier. Uh, we see a trend with a runner like Grayson Murphy is a great example who went yeah. from, we've had her on the show, went from a college All-American at Utah track cross person to one of the best mountain runners in the world. And Stephanie Garcia making that transition as well. Mm-hmm. So PRs uh, 15 and 5, I'm sorry, was what I was going to ask. Hell yeah. So um, 1500, that was my favorite event. I ran 352. 3K, I ran 828 indoor. I don't really like my 5K PR. <laughs> so, Does that mean you're not going to tell us? It's 1506. That doesn't necessarily translate to the other two, no, it's little, but it's not like it's bad. Yeah. No, it's not. No, yeah, it's it's a good time. But kind of like you said, I think with the other times, it's yeah, probably Yeah, because that, that 15, that would be like a 410-ish mile. 828 for 3,000. You're down close to nine minutes for two miles yeah. with that. And you're quick. Well, you know, I've, That's good. I've looked at those conversion <laughs> tables once or twice yeah. in my time. Yeah. Is that sub 15, 5K something that you still think about? I do. You, you, I hate that that didn't happen. You want to. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, are are you willing to maybe. Do what it takes? Yeah. Uh, now that you've conquered the trails. I know. And I don't really have a lot of time to think about that like i gotta i don't have years to just like yeah i'm gonna break 15 one day yeah well there's still some good years maybe, left in those legs maybe. i broke 16 last year yeah still had a ways to go though to okay. break 15 well <laughs> we'll set it out there as a potential lofty goal for yeah. the future you mentioned let's try to run through the second half did you allow yourself to think about place at all what you might oh, yeah. be able to do when you looked at past results mm-hmm. i mean this is always a competitive event yeah no, I had I had several goals going into the race. A goal, B goal, C goal. Because like I said, I, I really didn't know what was going to happen at a certain point. Um, so my first A goal was to break, maybe break into the top 10, which still sounds crazy. <laughs> Just be like, oh yeah, I'm going to you know finish in the top 10. But I was thinking of maybe 16-ish hours okay. if everything went well. Maybe dip under sixteen. Maybe I didn't in, say it went well. Brad. Maybe in the fifteen. Yeah, it went, <laughs> it went incredible. I'm still, I'm still kind of shocked trying to process it. But yeah, B goal probably just north of that seventeen, eighteen hours, and C goal is just get across the finish line because you know if you're familiar with ultra running, you have to have qualifiers to register for other races. You have to yeah join lotteries and get on wait lists. So I didn't want to train for this and not finish and not be able to sign up for another race because I didn't cross the finish line. Sure. So that was Seagull. If anything went wrong and I could just sit down for a minute, have something to eat and walk across and get across the finish line. Well, yeah, at any distance close to this, even really marathoning, getting across the finish line is still a central goal and an accomplishment because anything could happen over the course of all Mm. those miles. Yeah. So you go from 1,500, 3,000, 5,000 earlier in your career, road racing more recently. Describe the training changes that you made to prepare for this and maybe some of the highlight sessions for you, the the things that you felt got you prepared or that you enjoyed the most. Okay. Yeah, some of the differences. 
As far as the transition from the road to the trail, I would say that I really wanted to try to keep my road legs as much as I could. I wanted to be able to keep a little bit of that speed. So a lot of my weekly running didn't change a whole lot. I probably didn't hit the track as much. Yeah. Definitely didn't hit the track as much, especially once I got into the real long run. So I was just too tired to actually think about running anything fast. But other than that, leading up to it, I was probably on Saturdays running anywhere from 20 to, I think my peaked out at 34 miles on, on trails. And one of the things I learned is to try to mimic the course as much as you can. Mm. I think training on the actual terrain is going to help. You went over there, right? To run yeah, the I went to Georgia the... twice to run. I ran the first probably 50-something miles Okay, over in, two sessions. In two sessions, yeah. yeah. But that had to help one on that early climb that you had. It did. Nobody Being able to see into. that. Yeah. Yeah. Just visualizing, too. Yeah, and it helped me set my goal of wanting to run the second half because I got to see what the course was like. Yeah. So I, got, I knew that I wasn't going to be able to run that much. I knew I was going to be run some on the first part, but I knew it was going to be a lot of hiking. Mm. and just getting through it there's almost a point where you couldn't really do much more than what you could do so there's no no point in forcing it yeah at that point but yeah back back to the training um i was really lucky i found some i found some good some good dudes here in the upstate yeah that, that are also running that also do trail running i think that was huge just being able to get in there with other people and kind of learn from them and see what they do i learned a lot just with the whole hiking running thing it's kind of funny like one of my very first trail runs is like oh here we go and then we just start walking i was like okay (laughs) we're walking yeah 13 minute mile all right yeah okay so that was a huge that was a huge adjustment but it was the effort required at that moment in that space to be able to run later you're exactly right so that was probably the thing that took me a month or two to really figure out mm-hmm. of consistent long runs where it's like, how do you flow with the hike and run? Cause at first it felt so awkward. It felt yeah. like, okay, we're walking now. Okay. We're running now. And it just felt weird. I felt out of place, but after a while I, I got into a zone with it and it was like, I knew for my body when I wanted to walk and when I wanted to run. And once I figured that out, I feel like it really helped with pacing. How much of that 74-ish miles do you think was actually runnable for you? That's really hard to say. Because in the first 30, I I think it was about 38 miles where you come out over a little bit of a peak and it opens up to this like beautiful green grass meadow. Nice. And you're like, I made it. (laughs) I know the service roads here for, for a while. Yeah. But up until that point, it was up, down, up, down, single track. Peak to peak to peak to peak. So, I mean, I was probably walking some every mile, mm-hmm. at least a minute. I mean, there was some, probably some runnable sections. But the thing is, is you can run, you can, <clears throat> you can hike for a couple minutes in a mile and still run a 12 minute mile. Sure. Or a 13 minute mile. I know you gained a lot uh, from the experience and wisdom of our mutual friend, Eddie Posey. Yes. Eddie is such a great guy and a great master's runner who a year ago at Myrtle Beach ran like a 240 marathon. I saw Eddie maybe three days before the race. He said to me, I don't think Brad's going to need that headlamp very much. (laughs) As in he's going to get finished 
before it gets dark. He's going to need it in the morning when we start, but he's going to finish before it gets dark. Where was Eddie the biggest help for you, whether training or racing? What were some of the things that he provided to make you a better runner? I know talking to him, it seemed like working on just descending was something that he saw you improving over time. Yeah. Yeah. What were the takeaways from him? It really was. There were so many times where I'm like, okay, you go, Eddie. I want to follow you. Mm. Just because I wanted to see how he was attacking hills and going up and down. The ups and downs and just watching him just kind of bounce around through that stuff. Yeah. I was like, wow, I've got stuff to work on Mm. uh, footwork wise and just, and just knowing how to flow it and not fight it. That's so much different than road racing. We, we watch other experienced good runners, but we don't necessarily do it from, as you said, a footwork Mm -hmm. perspective uh, of being able to see how, we place our body to attack those ups and downs. Mm-hmm. In your case, when you were a, legitimately a total novice yeah. to that kind of stuff, how did that feel over time? Like, did you, by the time you got to Georgia for race day, did you feel like I'm confident <clears throat> in what I can do with, with how I attack these ups and downs? Or were you still yeah. a little skittish? Is there still a lot of room to grow? I was a little skittish going into it, but I could tell that I I had improved drastically. Mm-hmm. So I was way more confident going in. Something clicked, I think, like in the last couple of weeks leading up to it, to where, you know, if it was a downhill mile, um, maybe something that I was running 10 minutes because I was, you know, a little worried. It was more like an eight minute mile. So you and were actually was, attacking it more. Yeah. I could just kind of let it let go. I mean, yeah. it really is almost letting go a little bit Yeah. versus being real tentative with it. Because I, I don't know, I was, I was worried about spraining my ankle or... Really uh-huh. worried about my ankles. <laughs> yeah. Really. But some I don't know, something happened. And I think it's your eyes. I think it's like training your eyes. Mm. I think you once you get used to seeing something constantly, you just get used to it. I don't, the only thing I can think of comparable is like when I was a little kid, I'd be at the beach and I'd go look for shark's teeth. And I said like if once you find one, like you, it's so hard to find one. But once you find one, you can see you see them everywhere. Yeah. I don't know. Why. And then like when you close your eyes, you still see it. <laughs> and you know what you're looking for yeah. now because yeah. you've put yourself and being aggressive, the, the thought that fortune favors the bold, mm-hmm. right? It, to be aggressive on the, those downhills. And as you said, just let it go. That's, that's mm-hmm. well said. What was the darkest moment though of the 70 plus mile journey? Was there a time when you thought oh, I'm oh. teetering on the edge? Yeah. So... I'd say after, so after 38 miles, I got into a, a really nice flow where I was just running. I ran for about 20 straight miles mm. and I might've walked briefly like a, a couple minutes up some hills. But at that point I was just, I was rolling. I was so excited. Like yeah. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. I can't believe I'm still running. And um, and sorry to inter- interject here, but what place are you in at this point? You were in yeah. like second place so, by then? So in my, at mile 38, when I was like, when I hit the service roads and I was ready to start running, I was in fifth place. Okay. That was mile 38. So I came in to the Jake Bull um, aid station, which is second to last aid station at mile 52. I came in in first place. So you had climbed the, all the way to first by then? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You really did run that section. I was running. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. 
Um, yeah, the race director, he, he saw me coming down one of the hills and he was like, man, you're sprinting. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how to take that. Should I slow down? <laughs> but it was downhill. Yeah. And it was on a road. So yeah. yeah well, you I were just, letting go. I just let it go. Yeah. I was like, I might pay for this later. But, um, so I get into Jake Bull at 52 and I'm so happy. My wife's there. My, my best friend from high school is there, Daniel and my wife, Brittany. And I see that and I'm like, oh, I feel so good. Like, I can't believe this. Um, and being this late in the race. So I was just all excited. I mean, I was on cloud nine and I left that aid station, mile 52. And I knew it was a huge climb up to the Nimblewell aid station, mile 63. So it was 11 miles. About halfway into that, it started getting a little tough. Mm. Like where I was like, okay, this is getting hard now. I'm, I'm not necessarily having as much fun as I was. And it got real. It got real. Um, and this, the closer you got to the aid station, the steeper it got. And it was, we're still on a service road at this point, but it's just, like up a mountain, switchbacks and all that. And I had to start walking, but it wasn't bad. It wasn't a bad thing. Like it was like, okay, I need to incorporate <laughs> a few minutes of walking, yeah. then go run, then a few minutes of walking. But right there, it was like the whole excitement went to, oh no. Yeah. You've done <laughs> this, this is so be... hard. Yeah. Yeah. This is getting so hard. And I'm looking at my watch every half mile or less. Um, like you're just not ticking off because you're going so much slower going up the hill and then the 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 idea of like is there somebody else out there who's right did you have any idea of the gap at that point so i was i came into jake bull mile 52 with the other with the okay yeah we came in together okay and we left at the same time so you knew right where he was at that moment we left at the same time but at that point i just i kept running so you know five miles in like i don't know where he was but i know he, he was behind me some distance behind me. Um, I was just kind of assuming that I was still kind of kicking hard and doing well. Yeah. So hopefully he was farther behind me, but I didn't, I didn't really know. And I didn't know if someone else had, you know, was behind me the whole time that could have been passing everybody too. So, but were you sure to let him know like, Hey man, this is my first time. I've never even done this before. <laughs> I can't remember. I definitely told a few people. Did you? Along the way. Cause you kind of chat. You know? Yeah, sure. And that was, that was the funny thing is I'm um, going up the, the very first climb up Kusa, the one we talked about earlier, that yeah. was like at seven miles. Yeah, we were just kind of like, hey, have you done this before? He's like, yeah, we've done, I've done this before. And he's, you know, he's telling us like what his time, what he ran last year and what he's shooting for. And he's like, okay, I'm shooting for 16 hours. And I'm like, okay, that sounds good. That's two. So it was like cool to be able to be like, all right, so we're kind of on track here. <laughs> Man, yeah, it's, people have to be thinking you are either out of your mind yeah, on the first time pressing it this hard or... This guy's a natural. Yeah. I yeah. think I told probably two people that this is my first one. <laughs> and I know what they're in there. Probably go, oh, gosh, what yeah. is he doing up here? Yeah. They they thought that dark moment was coming yeah. for you. You get to 60 plus now. Yeah. You are little walk run up these switchbacks. Mm-hmm. Is there a point then when you crest it and yeah. you get you- to the, yeah, you get to the last aid station, the Nimble Will aid station. Apparently, like, later at night, it was a dance party there. Oh, okay. I missed it, uh, unfortunately. But... Well, you should have doubled back for that. <laughs> yeah, I, I should have just... You were only out 13 yeah. hours, dude. Yeah, I should have gone back up there. At that point, I asked the lady, how much farther do I have? Even though I already kind of knew. Yeah. She was like, 10 miles. And there was like a sign right in front of me and said, 10 miles. <laughs> I was like, oh, good. I was just hoping it'd be less for some reason. <laughs> yeah. But I'm tired and it's okay because I, 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 know, I know I'm going to get there. Yeah, sure. And I'm still... I'm still feeling good considering, I mean, it's not as all good as you can yeah. at 60 plus miles with that amount of climbing. Right. Yeah. I still feel good considering and it's mostly downhill. 
which it is if you look at the map, but it felt like it was all uphill. It doesn't really make sense, but it felt like it was all, <laughs> it felt like it was uphill. Yeah, and then I got in some some of the single tracks, um, and they were really windy and up and down, and I could really feel the ups there. Like I was really starting to feel the ups, yeah. but I was still I was still pushing through it. I'm like, okay, you're five miles to go, you're four miles to go. The last three miles are comically hard. Like it was like, are you are you kidding? Like, <laughs> I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Um, you pretty much run, and I, I think it's, it's on purpose. It's the Georgia death race. Yeah. You know? It's in the name. Yeah. Yeah, you're supposed to not finish. You're supposed to die. Yeah. So that's the point. That's the point of the race. <laughs> um, we run through this little like rock boulder field for a little bit. Okay. And you can imagine, I don't know if you can imagine what your feet feel like, and your knees, yeah. and your just everything, and you're running through this rock field. At this point, you've been on your feet for 12 plus hours. Yeah. I can barely pick up my feet, much yeah. less like... Dodge rocks yeah. and try not to hurt myself. And then you go plummeting down the side of the mountain, just like hanging on the trees. <laughs> and then you get down into the park where the finish line is. You run right by the finish line. Oh, that's brutal. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever been to Amicalola State Park. Uh, I'm familiar. Yeah. There is stairs, huge stairs up to the waterfall. It's 600 stairs. So we had to go up the stairs. And at this point, I... I I wasn't worried about running anymore. I was like, it's okay. We're here. Yeah. Kind of. So I had to get to the top of the stairs. I was just kind of leaning on the rail, just making my way up. And you are pretty confident at this point you got the victory also. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I was pretty sure. Yeah, I didn't. So finish line is right at the top of the stairs? No. Oh. <laughs> so you have to <laughs> go back, nice you have to go back down to the finish line, which was at the base. Oh, because you ran by that ran already. By it, yeah. So they just added the stairs just to make it even worse. Yeah. So if your legs weren't trashed yet, they are now. Yeah. Damage was done. <laughs> but I made it down and he kind of takes you through the woods off a trail. So again, it's just like a scramble. I was, I was just like skidding. It's just, it's just funny. And then you, there's a bridge to cross to go to the finish line. But the bridge is roped off, so you have to run through the river or the creek or whatever. I love it. But then there's the finish line right there. On the yeah. Side. What a feeling. Yeah, man. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> before we get a little bit more into that feeling at the very end, rewind on a, just a couple quick ones. Okay. One, favorite uh, aid station food that you got oh, along the yeah. way. What was the best yeah, thing they talked had? talked about that. Yeah. Oh, man, they were all so good. So they had your basic like fruits and stuff. Like mm-hmm. I would grab a, a half a banana pretty frequently. But my favorite things to grab that I remembered were cheese quesadillas. Oh yeah, um, grilled cheeses and bacon. I had tons of bacon. I hear bacon from everybody. I had tons of bacon. Yeah, it was great. The salty, right? Yeah. So I ate. I ate. I ate a lot. I ate. I ate significantly more than I had ever run on a training run, and I felt energized the whole the whole race. Really. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny because now I'm thinking I could have eaten a lot more on my training runs because yeah. at, at the end of my training runs, I'm normally pretty like, like energy depleted and just kind of like, man, that was hard. So maybe if I was just been eating more this whole time, I would, yeah. I would have felt better. And there was actually two times I noticed getting a little lightheaded, but probably between mile 40 and mile 60. And that was in between stuff in my face at aid stations. But I mean, I take a gel and it's like instantly gone. Food was good. Yeah. It worked it worked out. No nutritional issues or anything like that. Did you change gear during the run? Did Not, you change anything? Did you stay with the same stuff? I wore the same thing the whole time. <sighs> I don't know. Because I know... You're a tough man. What shoes did you wear? I wore the A6 Trabuco Max. It's like their higher cushioning. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely has a higher, you know, higher stack height. Yeah. But I just need the cushioning. Yeah. And it was good. Try to, as much as you can, despite that terrain, save mm-hmm. the legs a little bit. Yeah. All right. You get through the line. You just won this thing. Uh, this has been, uh, in previous years, a golden ticket race mm-hmm. to Western states. So you're expecting, when you said a reach goal was to get in the top 10, you're expecting there's great competition at this yeah. race, right? This, right. It, even just the guys here that you run trails with that we're going over are very accomplished trail exactly. runners. Mm-hmm. Take me to that moment, Brad. What's going through your head? I envision this knowing you as you kind of having like a, huh, holy crap, I just won. There we go. Like, what was that moment? Man, you nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> it was a holy crap moment. Yeah. For sure. Just talking about just being excited for an accomplishment you feel really good about. Yeah. Like, that's that's really how I would sum it up. Mm-hmm. I was just on, I was on top of the world. I couldn't believe it. Like, I, sh- I shocked myself. Um, maybe there was a... A hint of me thinking that maybe I could have done something like that. Just based on fitness and my training. Like, yeah. I think it all went good. But there was no way, like, I would have... There's no way I was thinking that I was going to do that. So it was nice to be surprised. Well, there's some great value in any racing setting to just allowing the good vibes to build. Mm-hmm. As you said, that just... There's a positive spiral, a positive momentum. Yeah. I can tell as you tell the story, it's building throughout this race. And so often we attach ourselves to, I have to hit this huge lofty number mm-hmm. or this is not a success. But in, in your case, the naivete of it's my first mm-hmm. time there. Yeah. Let's just do as well as we can allowed you to free yourself from any expectations right. and make it all about opportunities mm-hmm. and all about fun. And even as you describe this, sitting in the room with you, your face as you describe it, it's so exciting and yeah. magnetic. Like It makes me think Want about, man, how fun could that be, right? You yeah. want to do one too. Well, maybe, yeah, yeah. Um, so... I balance that though, Brad, with I've been with you for a marathon mm-hmm. races that didn't turn out as you hoped. Yeah. Did that weigh on you at all in prepping for this longer distance? Was there concern? It did. Yeah. Especially the marathon. It goes back to the marathon because I've never, I don't feel like I've ever run my best marathon. I agree with you. Which I don't know if. I don't know if, how hard it is for other people to do it, <laughs> but I, I've come close a few times, but there was always, there's always been a little bit of bonking or just kind of falling apart in the last few miles or however far. Yeah. I mean, knowing that going into the race, especially a 74 mile race. You're thinking I'm doing three times farther. Yeah. What yeah. am I thinking? Like I haven't even successfully completed the marathon yet. <laughs> but. So, yeah, that worried me. That worried me a lot. But I also knew from my training runs that this is almost a different sport. That's right. When you throw in mountains Mm -hmm. and you throw in hiking and walking. (laughs) Yeah. So, it's just, it's totally different. Yeah. It's totally different. Those variables make a huge difference. You're right. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see in the future how the lessons you learned about uh, nutrition and how much you can consume, yep. even though you can't use those same foods necessarily. Mm-hmm. But if you go back to marathoning, knowing that oh yeah, I've consumed more than I thought I could and handled it well, yeah. could be a great takeaway. Any other ways this experience you feel like has made you a better runner for all distances? If you end up 
going for that 15 minute 5k or whatever it might be. What, what do you take from that that you think I'm stronger? Cause I know you said that to me at one point when I we do. linked up in the training that you just said you felt strong. Yeah. No, I do. My legs feel stronger now than, I mean, I can feel in any recent memory. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I, f- I feel f- fit as I've ever been. Um, I think, I think those mountain miles are, I think, I think they're a huge benefit just your overall running. And they don't, I don't think it does as much damage that you would think because that was one of my first concerns when I got into this was, are these long mountain miles going to hurt my speed later on? Because yeah. I, I wanted to be able to keep that. I wanted to be like a hybrid runner, you know? Sure. So I think it has benefited, benefited me. Like if I want to go back and run a 5k, a 10k, I think that'll be just as good as ever. I, yeah, I do think it'll help. I can't tell you scientifically why I think it's yeah. going to help, but I do. But I you really, have confidence, clearly. I really, yeah. really do. Like, if I could take a few weeks off and get back to the track or something, I, I I, don't think I would miss a beat. Maybe even stronger, especially for, like, half or marathon. Well, you barely took a break and then came back and ran Villa to Villa yeah. Relay. Gosh. How's the body feel after that? Uh, yeah, that was so... <laughs> Maybe not the quick turnaround. I didn't turnaround want to do that, but I did it. It was fun. It was for fun. Yeah, it... I was sore again <laughs> after that. So I was like, great. How long was that total training block to get you ready for a Georgia death race? Mm. How long were you prepping? So last fall I was doing, I can't remember when I signed up for this race, but I want to say it was last late last fall. Okay. But beforehand I was already running solid miles, just kind of doing my thing. But I would say probably January is when I really went. So about force. three months that were specific to. Right. Three months of trail like, prep, exactly. With what I, you know, what I consider building to it and adding in the long trail runs. I know this is maybe early to ask this, but what's next? Have you thought at all about whether it's road or trail? If there's something that's on your radar that you really want to do, yeah. So another funny, funny tidbit is after running marathons, like I'm, I'm just done with running. I'm just like, I don't want to do this again. Man, I don't anytime soon. Maybe this is so funny, Brad. I have to interrupt because I remember (laughs) after that last one that we did together, you and I and Kyle, Kyle and I, our first instinct is take a couple weeks off. Then what are we signing up for so that we can go race again? And you were just like, no, I'm never doing this again. I'm done with (laughs) this. It's over. Uh, So you have a different feeling after this experience? Oh, I can't wait to go back. Cool. I'm ready to race. That's so great. I'm ready. And it's been hard. Like, I want to go run trails. <laughs> but uh, my legs aren't quite ready. They're getting there. I saw you got out to Paris I did go yesterday, yeah. Yeah. How'd you feel? That was awesome. Yeah. It's, it was so much fun just to be back out there. Is that your favorite favorite place nearby to hit the trails, or is there a specific spot you really enjoy? Um, nearby in town that I can drive to quickly, yeah. Um, but there's a lot of great places. Like, probably 45 minutes to an hour yeah. out that I really like. Any in particular where you would recommend? Like, so... Go hit this. So, well, to the casual roadrunners, I would be like, go to DuPont. I yeah, don't know sure. If, I don't know if people that don't know, but like DuPont's awesome. Yeah. Like if you're just looking for some groomers. Yeah. And, and there was a time where I thought those were like mountain trails. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, okay, those are just like No, you can nice run fast trails. there yeah. still. Yeah, for sure. It is beautiful. Yeah. Um, honestly, I was surprised at how nice Georgia was. Yes. Cool. Those trails were awesome. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know why I wasn't really thinking about Georgia being, you know, such a good trail area but it's so expansive the trails are nice like those trails we ran on that they were so hard you could have run on them if you wanted to i mean the footing was great Mm -hmm. they weren't super rocky and rudy they were super runnable 
outside the you know the hard hiking parts. Yeah. Also got to do up in Pisgah. That was fun. I did part of the Art Lobe Trail. Yeah. Really enjoyed that because you're just kind of high up and mm. views all around. Really want to do the whole thing one day. Maybe this summer we can go do that, Travis. There we go. I'm in. Just do the whole thing. It's 31 miles. Oh, shoot. I'll stop and have lunch in the middle. What a day. <laughs> you're right, though. When we think of Georgia, most of us don't necessarily first envision far northeast Georgia where you raced yeah. in the mountains. We think of what the rest of the state is like. Perhaps, yeah. you, perhaps you're not anticipating those great trails. I, I steered you off course a little bit here, Brad. Is there any specific race that you have your eyes on already? For I'm on the wait next? list. I okay. feel like that's a theme now. Yeah. Wait list and lotteries. So let's see. I'm on the Run Rabbit Run 100 wait list. Okay. Would love to get in, but it's uh, it's too early to tell. Probably probably won't get in. But if I do, I can't wait. Oh, Because yeah. it's a big race. Yeah. Like that'd be it's, awesome. I think there's pros there. For sure. Um, I'd love to get in a race with with people like that just yeah. to see what happens. But that's about it. I've started making some notes mm-hmm. because, um, you know, registration opens for something you have to sign up. Yeah. You can't, you can't really dilly dally. That's something I'm learning. I guess ultra running is popular now. So <laughs> just getting well, into you just a race, started doing it. Just getting into a race is be tedious. Yeah. I'm not rushing <laughs> you into anything. I just want to yeah, know what I you definitely have your want, eyes on. I'm definitely going to do something this fall. I can't wait. Cool. Whatever it is, I can't wait for it. Well, Brad, I think my biggest takeaway that the audience can take from your experience is when you talk about a big accomplishment that you could be so proud of. Mm-hmm. And we can all have that in this sport at any race distance. And it doesn't have to be winning like you did that day, right? We can all have that target that we have circled. For so many people, it was about getting to Boston this coming Monday. Now they get to realize that dream. Exactly. That is such a beautiful theme in our sport that uh, regardless of age, regardless of experience, Mm -hmm. you can hit those huge goals. In your case, it was the biggest of the big (laughs) coming through with a holy crap, I just won moment. But chasing those moments keeps all of us going after it. And it's so fun to to hear your perspective on that and to to get inspired a little more again by my friend. Because um, I have intentionally not asked you about this race since it happened yeah. a couple of weeks ago because I wanted to hear it all live to share with everybody. And it's been so much fun to get your tale of a championship at the 74-ish mile Georgia death race. What was the elevation gain again? 16,000 feet. There you go. 16,000 yeah. feet the cool, over the course of 13 yeah, plus and that's hours. the cool thing about this race beyond the East Coast is you extrapolate that out to 100 miles what that would be. Yes. And it's the verticals up there with the biggest, the big races out west. I suspect the big races out west are calling you. Are they not? That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, someday. Well, Brad, thanks so much for sharing some time with us. It's great to hear your story. Look forward to getting some runs in with you when oh, you're yeah. recovered. And yeah, you'll probably drag me out on some trails now. I hope I, so. I think I can do that. I hope so. Please, anybody, if you have questions for Brad in the ultra trail scene or just future show ideas, questions, comments, you can always contact us, secondsflatpodcast at gmail.com. Happy Easter to everyone. Happy Patriots Day. Enjoy Boston. Monday morning, the greatest marathon in the world. And we will see you next time on mile 114 of Seconds Flat.